What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am your host, Josh Prepigina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's going on, Prep? Oh, man, we had a big week of fights that just passed. Uh, pretty entertaining weekend. I'm sure we have a lot to cover from that, but as always, let's get into the news of the week first. So, just to start, uh, we're spreading. We're uh, expanding to different podcast networks. Obviously, we've been on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud since the beginning. But now you can find us also on Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio. So, that's for anybody. They don't have an excuse now not to listen. Um, if we're not on your current podcast catcher, let us know and I will definitely get on there. Uh, next piece of news, but let's get into some MMA. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, me and you talked about the, uh, the company that bought out Access TV. So they actually, LFA, their last show was like the day after they bought the company. So LFA is now exclusive to Fight Pass. They signed with Fight Pass. So that makes a lot of sense because Fight Pass already carries a bunch of like indie, per se, promotions. Do you think this is a good move for them? Definitely. I mean, adding on to Fight Pass along with CFFC and I think Ring of Combat, I mean, it's it's a big deal for them, you know. <laughs> brings in more viewers and and it definitely allows them the chance to uh showcase their best fighters on a big stage. Yeah, for me it, Fight Pass was already worth it because of like the old stuff. I like to catch up, you know. We're going to get into a gentleman later on that I kind of went into like a black hole of watching this person's fights. Right. But for LFA, it is a plus. I'd rather them be there than try to sell their stuff on Fight TV or get on that awful platform to zone because the zone is awful let's move on to the rocks announcement last week during the weigh-ins ufc brought up that the rock was going to be making an announcement so um we'll get into the shenanigans more when we get into the ufc 242 244 review but the announcement was that him and his production company, Seven Bucks Production, are going to be tackling a like drama documentary type movie on the life of the smashing machine, Mark Kerr. Now, after I heard this announcement, like I knew who Mark Kerr was. I've seen the smashing machine documentary, but the first thing I did was watch it again. I forgot how good it was, how sad. It was to see that guy just like go from like the top of the world and then just like slowly decline until he crashed. But um, and then I just went down a black hole of just watching his fights and like old pride stuff and just seeing him get beat up was so hard to watch. But what'd you think of this news? I mean, the crowd really didn't care too much for it, but this was more for like someone who's like really hardcore like you. So how'd you take it? I mean, I, I think it's great, you know, um, 
a lot of people have to remember that MMA, you know, compared to the likes of kickboxing, Muay Thai, and boxing, it's such a young sport. So for someone as big as the stars, The Rock, to pay homage to one of our founding fathers and pioneers of the sport, I mean, it's it's great. You know, it, it allows people to understand where this all started. You know, a lot of these young kids don't really know. And, you know, like you said, like for the, some of the diehard fans, like we remember. You know, I remember sitting back and watching the first UFC event, you know. But, um, you know, I, I think it's great, and, you know, there's there's nothing like a new movie from The Rock. I mean, I love the guy. He's he's awesome, so. Yeah, big Rock fan as a kid. Uh, kind of iffy on him right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, some local news. Jeremiah Wells, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but he was in a grappling tournament last week. He goes four for four Yeah. in his division. No gi and gi. He goes, um, he also goes gold in absolute no gi and gi. So, shout out to Jeremiah Wells for really holding it down for the city. Yeah, man. I mean, this dude's no joke. I have personally rolled with him and I've wrestled with him. And this guy is strong. He's very intelligent on the ground. And, you know, when he, when he sees an opening, He'll go for it, you know. He won't hesitate. So I can see why he won. I mean, he's only getting better. Yeah, time. it's crazy to think of that. And he's, like, known for his power. Yeah. But his jujitsu is incredibly strong. Yeah, I mean, we saw it his last fight. I mean, he took that guy's back and finished him quick, you know. Yeah, so that's great for him. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again pretty soon. Um, some news on a replacement fighter. Walt Harris, I don't think we've touched on this yet, but Walt Harris, for about the last two weeks, his stepdaughter has been missing. And um, there's been, like, a huge, like, effort to find her. Dana White, John Jones, and Ali Abdelaziz, all three of them put up $25,000 each for any news on the whereabouts of his stepdaughter. And unfortunately... Um, that's really unfortunate for Walt Harris. He had a fight coming up, which is the least of his problems, obviously. But um, obviously, he's not going to be able to fight December 7th. All his effort is put forth towards taking care of his family and looking for his stepdaughter. But um, Rosenstruck, is is his first name Jared? I don't even know. Or Jarzinho. There Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Jarzinho Rosenstrike steps in for him against Alistair Overeem. I like this move. This yeah. guy is uh, 4-0 now after this past weekend, and a monster. I think he trains with Francis, and he's a beast. He knocked out Andre Arlovsky, and I think he's going to probably do the same to uh, this guy. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, these new guys coming out of France, these dudes are huge. It's weird because nobody's really seeing where they're coming from, but... There's a reason why they're surging. You know, Francis is no joke. And if these guys have the opportunity to train with him and truly, like, polish their striking like his, I mean, there's only a certain amount of time before they end up in the top ten. So it will be interesting. But personally, I wish Alistair would retire. I like Walt Harris versus Jerzinho Rosenstrike a lot better. So I hope that that fight gets made um, because, let, let's be honest, Rosenstrike's kind of knocked him out in the first, like, 15, 20 seconds. It's unfortunate because I was always a huge fan of Alistair, you know. But um, 
Drazinho, like you said, he is a monster and has devastating power. So, yeah. And it's also very unfortunate what Walt Harris is going through. I can imagine getting one of the biggest fights of your career, this big opportunity, <coughs> you know, and for something like this to happen, you know. It makes sense that he wouldn't fight because, you know, I, I wouldn't want to wish that on my worst enemy. Not know? at all. And uh, we wish him the best. Absolutely. Um. So last week with... All the nuttiness that was going on. UFC took the time out to have a press conference for UFC 245, December 14th in Vegas. Um, (laughs) You guys can't see, but the face you just made makes me think that you did not watch this. I watched most of it. It was (laughs) whack. It was completely whack. Uh, All right, so my first note, I, I think you realize this. Covington is dried up. He's he's running out of material, and his act is watered down. It's done for him. The best part about the entire <clears throat> bit that he had during this press conference was when he looked at Kamaru and said, I want people to hate me. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Mm-hmm. Thank you for finally admitting that you know yourself that you're a piece of garbage and you want people to hate you because that's the only form of popularity that you're ever going to have. You're not a stand-up guy. You're trying to pretend to be this dude, you know, who's rich and famous and the president's on your side. And let's face it, nobody gives a shit about you or your career. You're a split... It's funny because, like... This dude is the decision king in the welterweight division. Like, who has he really beat up? <coughs> Nobody. Like, and his biggest moment was what? A split against Damian Maya, and that put him up there? Oh, okay, so you outpointed Rafael Dos Anjos? That fight wasn't impressive. The fight with Robbie wasn't impressive either. Like, it's... Wrestlers... They really try to post themselves as dominant, but eventually you run into somebody who knows what they're doing, and then you get knocked out. So at the end of the day, I don't even care about this fight because it's just going to be a waste. Like, I'm assuming this is for the main event, right? It is. It's it's a complete <laughs> waste. Like I would ra- I would honestly rather see Max versus Volkanovski in the main event because that fight is going to be a barn burner. It's extremely high level contest. And they keep saying crap like, "Oh, you know, this fight, you know, has a lot of bad blood and a lot of history." No, it doesn't. Nobody cares about Kamaru. Like I I would re- honestly, I'm gonna be real with you. I would rather see Kamaru fight Leon Edwards. You know. I, because that that has a story. Kamaru beat him before, and then Leon what won eight fights, nine fights in a row, or something like that, to then come back to get to where he is now. That fight makes more sense for a title. I don't care about Kobe. Put Kobe against Tyron Woodley, and the winner of that gets the winner of Edwards and Kamaru. That's what should have been the main event. And you know what I mean? Like, that makes more sense, but the matchmakers this time screwed it up. And, but I get it because, you know, they were so focused on making a massive card for 244, they just kind of, you know, put some things together. You know, they try to make a big card. But, you know, in my opinion, I would have switched the venues around. Let the last card be Masvidal versus Diaz. You know what I mean? Because the last card of the year, like, that's big. But. I digress. Yeah, the only thing that Kobe's ever said that made me laugh was this. They they kept asking him about uh, 
why is he not fighting this weekend or whatever? And he said, no, I'm going to let the B- the real BMS fight this weekend, the bad, mediocre fighters. And that's the only thing that ever made me laugh from that guy. But his act is dried up. You brought up Max and Alex Walkanowski. I think they were kind of outshined. Like, nobody really cared about them in this fight. You know why? Because Max is such a dominant champion, and every time they put him up against a worthy opponent, a very t- tough fighter, he just finds a way to dominate them and make them look like B-level competition. And, you know, no disrespect to the guys he's faced, you know, because, of the you know, like I said, the guys he's fought have been the highest of the high, excuse me, in the featherweight division, but... It's hard to fight Max at 145. He's long. He's lanky. He's very methodical when it comes to his strikes. Great takedown defense. Good submissions. I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy night for anybody. Um, I would hope that Volkanovski can put up a fight because, let's face it, he did beat Jose Aldo in his backyard. It wasn't pretty, but he did what he had to do to win. Yeah, I think the thing that he does best is close the distance. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about somebody who didn't close the distance and paid a heavy price for it. But him closing the distance against one of the best boxers in the UFC, in that featherweight division, is is probably his key to victory. And we've seen him do it before. Yeah. I think it was, um, please correct me, whoever it was before um, Jose. Was it Chad? Yeah. When he fought Chad Mendez, how yeah. he just, like, destroyed Chad against the fence. Yeah. Stayed real close and beat him up. Yeah, and, you know, that fight, that was a good fight in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not even about the power. It's that Volkanovski was consistent in that fight. Like, he continued to throw a barrage of strikes at Chad, and he overwhelmed Chad. And mind you, Chad would do that to other people in his entire career. Like, there were just dudes who couldn't keep up with Chad's pace and his strength and his power. But, you know, Volkanovski is a bit different. You know, like, you have to factor in a lot of other things. For example, Volkanovski had longer arms. So he was able to catch him coming in and then work to the, you know, to the body and to the head. And um, he's really strong, you know, and it doesn't seem like it because he's not ragdolling anybody. But, you know, if you wanted to see his real strength, you watch his fight versus Darren Elkins when Darren Elkins was on a surge. You know, after he had beat Michael Johnson by submission, he went up against Volkanovski, and Volkanovski just tossed him around. I mean, he just he just threw him everywhere. But, um, you know, in this fight, you know, like you said, his key to victory is really closing the distance on Max, going to the body, and really making Max work. Because in a five-round fight... Max is going to win if you don't put the pressure on him, if you don't make him work for it. <coughs> but I like the fight, and I just, I'm just i really upset that it wasn't the main event, you know? Yeah, it was real. Uh, that should be the main event. And I'd even take the other the women's fight as the main event. Yeah. Let's talk about um, Amanda Nunes versus uh, Jermaine Durandamy. Yeah. So they asked Amanda why she wasn't defending her featherweight title. And... She tried to pass the blame off to Jermaine, yeah. Jermaine saying, oh, it's her fault. You know, ask her why she didn't want to fight me at 145. But I think Jermaine had the best answer. She said 135 is the more active division. I've won the title at 145 no matter what you think. The books say I've had the title before. 
135 has more girls, more competition, and it's the more active weight division. So that's why I want to fight her at 135. Do you think that made sense? Yeah, no, it did. I mean, she's not going to, if she does beat Amanda, she's not going to be able to def- really defend against anybody legitimate. And I already see where that will, that fight would end up taking place if she, you know, did 145 with Amanda. You know, who are they going to put her up against? You know what I mean? Uh, Felicia Spence. And then if Jermaine dispatches her, then what's next after that? There's nobody else. The only other fight you can make is Megan Anderson, but even that fight, that's way too far out of reach for Megan because she is not ready for that fight. She's still developing. So 135 is the best option. There's a lot of great fighters up there, and, and I think, you know, Jermaine Durandamy definitely stacks up well with a lot of them. But, you know, she has a tall task ahead of her because Amanda is not done. You know, this chick is in her prime still and is still looking to dominate. I mean, I don't see anybody beating her unless there's a legitimate contender who takes it to her. So, you know, and even that's hard because Cyborg tried. But, you know, um, I am excited for the fight. If it doesn't go to the ground, we might see one of the best striking battles of the end of this year. So Yeah, because yeah, let's not forget about um, GDR's Muay Thai background. Yeah. Her vicious kickboxing. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that fight. You know, it's it's hard to look forward to an Amanda Nunes fight thinking somebody else is going to beat her. Yeah. But she has lost before. Yeah, and she's lost to some of the best of the best. And so, you know, Jermaine actually lost to Amanda Nunes, mm-hmm. you know, that first time they fought. I mean, it happens. But, you know, you make adjustments in fights. And when you're a champion, you have to do whatever it takes. I mean, let's face it. Jermaine Durandamy is not going to stand there and be hit, and she's definitely not going to hesitate. I mean, you know, Jermaine is a very big woman for 135, so she's going to use that size against Amanda, and Amanda has to be ready for it. You know, it's it's one of those things where, in this case, like, the game plan has to switch for Amanda. Like, the things that she used against Holly Holm, can't, she can't use against Jermaine Durandamy. So, you know, in this fight, the only key to victory for Amanda is either the ground or... Or she really has to like use leg kicks to slow Jermaine down and start working into the body. Really just to, to kind of push her down that path of like fatigue all the time. <coughs> but um, if she doesn't do that, she's going to get picked apart from the outside. Leg kicks, front kicks, jabs, you know, the straights. And Amanda's going to have a rough one. So super excited for that fight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get into some fight announcements. Um, no specific fight, just a few notable names. So we have a uh, surreal gang. We just talked about him. He's fighting again later on this year. Then we have Ian Heinish, Josh Barnett, and uh, that's it for the UFC. And then for the local guys, uh, Art of War and Ring of Combat are putting out cards within the next two months. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, from Martinez MMA, Will Dill. He's somebody that we follow. Um, a grappler as well. He's fighting for Art of War. Andre Petrowski, which fought last month, dominant victory. John Garbarino and Thomas Powell. So those are some local fighters and local names to look after in the next coming months. Let's get into UFC 244. We talked about it last week, how stacked this card was. And I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Did it deliver? Absolutely. Okay. Um, from top to bottom. Yeah. 
I would say so. I mean, there were some fights that were iffy, but the fights mm -hmm. that took place that, you know, with the outcome that they had, there's a reason why that was one of the biggest cards of the year. Yeah, there was way more highs than lows. You could, oh, yeah. I could probably think of two or three fights that I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But besides, and even that, like, it was a fight. Maybe I wasn't paying too much attention. Maybe I was looking too much forward to the next card or the next fight in the case of the, uh, in the co-main event. Like, honestly... I'm sorry. I did not give a damn about that fight. When, once we knew, once I knew that I was either 15 minutes away from that next fight, I didn't care about it. Yeah. And it's a shame because I guess we could talk about the co-main event. I mean, Darren Till, he outclassed Kelvin Gaslam. I don't know how the hell anybody can say that that was a split decision when it was very clear that Darren Till just took it to one of the best middleweights in the world. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. I mean, styles make fights, number one. But number two, they had said it before. <coughs> With Darren Till not having to cut weight, that's a dangerous man. This is a man who spars with heavyweights on a regular, takes the shots. But you know what? I mean, it's just a testament to show that one small adjustment in your career can change everything. Look at game bread. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's fantastic. But so how did you feel about his performance? Like was it was it something that you expected or or was it like you know, maybe Kelvin just had a bad night? No, there was something I definitely expected. I mean, look, <coughs> he he's had rough times, you know, like when he fought Tyron Woodley, Tyron did what he had to do to win, but let's face it. In a perfect world where Tyron wouldn't have dropped him with that right hand and have finished him, you were looking at a five-round fight with a guy way bigger than you who knows how to strike way better than you and was going to push the pace. So what were you really going to do for five rounds? Like, if you couldn't get the takedown... And look, at 185, Kelvin had a real tough time wrestling with Darren. And he would take him down, and Darren would use his hips and get right back up. And that's because he's really strong. So that's really all it was. He's just going to go in there, and I know that, you know, whoever he faces next, he's going to put on a show because the guy, <clears throat> I feel that he's a real 185er. And he could pot potentially even fight at 205. You Did know? you see his ranking? Yeah. Top five. I mean, there's a reason, you know. I mean, this kid is a killer. And uh, I like to fight between him and Hermanson, maybe. Ooh, see, you read my mind. Oh, yeah. You know I'm here to ask you, what's next for him? You say Hermanson, I agree. Yeah. He's fighting down, but listen, it's it's only going to be his second fight at that weight class. Yeah. He's and... fighting a guy who matches up in size, mm -hmm. maybe not strength. Maybe, you know, Darren Till might be a bit stronger than him, but I think they're, this, like, about the same size. Yeah, and here's the thing, man. Like, look at this fight between Till and Hermanson. Jack Hermanson is still looming around the top 10 while you have Jared Cannonier, top four. He's number four right now behind Yoel Romero. That that fight makes sense, Yoel Romero versus Jared Cannonier, just to kind of cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. But I, I can tell you what to do with Israel Adesanya right now since Paulo Costa's out. 
What would you say? I mean, originally my plan is like, oh, just fight Yoel because I want to see it. But UFC is kind of like, well, Yoel, we want him to win one more fight. You know, his last win was when he knocked out Rockhold two fights ago. Yeah. Um, What would be your plan? Because if we go through it right now. Yeah. Izzy's the champ. Mm-hmm. Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero, Jared Cannonier, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, Kelvin Gaslam, Jacare just moved up, Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian. That's the top ten. Yeah. So there's no like right answer right now for Israel Adesanya. I will say this. <coughs> it's complicated because Number one, two, and four deserve the shot automatically. Here's the other thing. Who's going to argue if they can't pick a fight and they give it to Darren Till? If they can't secure a deal with Yoel Romero or Jared Cannonier for that fight or Jack Hermanson, right? Nobody really would argue mainly because of the fact that Till just beat a a former title challenger a former number one contender, right? Now, the fight seems out of reach, but not really because if you look back, T-Wood fought Darren Till, and Darren Till wasn't even, like, number three yet or anything like that. Like, he was still, like, past top five, but they gave it to him because of the fact that he was surging, right? He had just beat Cowboy, and then he beat the number one contender, Wonder Boy, so he earned the right to get that. But here's the issue. If you secure a fight between Jared Cannonier and Yoel Romero, there's a risk there, right? Will Jared Cannonier want to take that risk or gun for a title shot, right? Because he has every right to say, hey, I beat Jack Hermanson. I deserve the, ch- the chance to fight for a title. And then Yoel's case, he's like, hey, I've already fought for the belt twice. Both times, you know, I felt like I won. I should get the chance to do it again. I shouldn't have to fight anybody else. But, you know, he did lose to Costa. Nobody wants to see the fight against Whitaker because, you know, let's face it, Whitaker got knocked out. So the only two options you have, in my opinion, is either Cannoneer or he sits on the sidelines and waits for the winner of between Romero, Cannoneer, or Till. That, those fights, whoever gets that matchup, it's up to Israel. But I know Israel will want to be active. So he'll Well, he take already the said, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, you're but, good, yeah. but he did state on Ariel's podcast that he wants to fight in February or March. So if he's looking at, you know, say if the UFC says, all right, we want these guys to win a fight, they put Yoel Romero versus uh, Jared Cannoneer in the next you know, two months, those guys are still turning around four or eight weeks instantly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Barring injury. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing with this kind of division. It was like lightweight. Like, eventually these guys were just circling around to fight each other because they knew, all right, I got to make a paycheck. You know, the title's kind of in the looms. But now it's not like that. Israel wants to fight. And I know he'll be one of the most active champions probably <laughs> since, you know, DJ. So yeah. it's really just a matter of what the UFC wants to do. 
you know, if I had to pick a perfect fight, you know, that didn't require fighting Yoel Romero, because I wouldn't want to wish that on anybody, I would say that it has to be Cannoneer. I mean, with his performance against Jack Hermanson, I mean, look at the projection of Jack Hermanson's career, what he did to get to where he was, and then for Jared Cannoneer to kind of put him, you know, behind him and, and stop him in his tracks. I mean, you know, that that's definitely a cause for a title shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Jared Cannonier is ready. He was ready to fight this weekend. Yeah. Like, so if they wanted to book him in four weeks, you know. He'll be ready, yeah. He'll, he's ready. So another ranked middleweight, Edmund Shabazian. He looked so good. Shabazian versus Till. No, Shabazian versus Gaslam. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, okay. If you're moving, if you're trying to move him up, you know, you're not going to give him top five immediately. But if, I mean, I mean, if he honestly he he didn't do a call out, he's probably going to fight Derek Brunson or somebody. Yeah, he. You know, the sad <clears throat> thing is that that's kind of Derek Brunson's <coughs> career trajectory now. He's kind of like the gatekeeper. Yeah, and he look, it's a shame. He looked good in his last fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a good fighter. It's just you know that if you put him up, like like now, Brunson versus Cannoneer. Rough. It's going to be yeah. him. It's going to be worse than him versus Adesanya. Oh, yeah, because he'll probably get starched, you know? Yeah, but I think Edmund Shabazian looked fantastic. It's really unfortunate for Brad Tavares, you know, back-to-back losses now. He took a long time. You know, he hasn't fought since he fought Adesanya. Yeah. So. But, you know, it. sometimes you just, if you can't make adjustments, then, you know, you got to kind of look back and see what's going to happen with your career. Like, sometimes you have to make little changes here and there, try new things. But, you know, at this point, if his chin can't hold up. I and mean, we don't know that because the last time I think he was actually knocked out was against Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's kind of like, well, where's he going to go in this case? Um, Excuse me. I don't really know because, you know, I was a huge Brad Tavares fan when he was on Ultimate Fighter. I mean, the guy was a monster. People were afraid to fight him because of the fact that he had one-punch knockout power. But, you know, um, I think that at this point, he just kind of has to take a step back, really reevaluate what's going on with his career, and just figure out a way to, up, you know, make his game better. I'm yeah. sure he'll be back. We can we'll continue our deep dive in UFC two two forty four. Shane Burgos, <sighs> what did he do to Makwan Americani? Yo, can you believe how long has Makwan been in the UFC? He's been in the UFC for a while. And he's only fought twice in the last couple years. And this is the first time he's ever fought in the U.S. Yeah. Insane. Um, It's weird. Shane Burgos gave him the business. Yep. Shane Burgos is a problem. Yeah, man. Like, this, he's the new breed. Like, he's one of the new breed fighters. Just huge for his weight division. A lot of muscle. I mean, he's strong. But, you know. We'll see what he does. I mean, talk he, about a guy who bites down on his mouthpiece and just yeah, moves forward. You could see the New York like just flowing through his veins. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, I mean, it was terrible it, haircut. Yeah, awful just, beard. Yeah, probably wears Tim's or shorts. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, it was he's a great knocking people out. Yeah, he's knocking people out. I loved every second of it. Moving on to something that I did not love every second. <laughs> 
our boy, somebody that we've been touting since the inception of this podcast, Johnny Walker yes. versus Corey Anderson. Now, the first thing I said was, I hope this guy's ready. And guess what? He wasn't. It's one of those losses where you focus so much on one aspect of the game that you completely remove all of your weapons. And that's what he did. All he cared about was the takedown and got sucked into this flurry, this vicious flurry, something I've never seen from Corey Anderson. People sleep on Corey, man. I mean, I slept on him too. I ain't going to lie. I thought he was going to get starched. I mean, can you blame me? I mean, he got knocked out by Jimmy Manuel. Literally got forced into the knockout. And then he fights Ovin St. Prue and gets obliterated with one kick. I mean, you can't blame people for doubting him. And I'm, you know, and I felt really bad over the fact that he, you know, he cried in the post-fight conference. You know, he was talking about how he sits at wife. I mean, he sits at home with his wife and he cries because he's like, "Dude, like they don't care about me and 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 I'm winning fights." I guess in this case, like the reason why people haven't really paid attention to his career is because he suffered two devastating losses and then when he came back he was like only eking out decisions right and in a in a sport where people expect blood and they expect violence they're not really going to pay attention to a guy who's really eking out decisions against tough fighters i mean let's not forget i mean the man beat glover Teixeira. i mean you know he beat I, I forgot who else he beat. I think it was, damn, I got to check now. But he, anyways, it's like he said himself, you know, he fought some of the best fighters in the world. He beat them fair and square. And uh, I just can't say that he deserves a title shot at the moment. But I'm going to be honest, like, it would really suck for him to leave the UFC because he has beat tough guys, you know. It's like when Ryan Bader left and Gegard Mousasi was like, bro, like, you still got work to do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, now your career is like, where is it at? <coughs> like, all respect to them because, you know, you know they were champions or whatever. But um, I'm hoping that maybe maybe they will give him a title shot, you know, after Dominic Reyes versus Jones. Yeah, so that's the clear direction. You know, Zeus said that. Last week, he's he's the clear answer. And I don't think that beating someone who's ranked under you should guarantee you a title shot, Corey. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you really want a title shot, call out Dominic Reyes and fight him. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way to go for Corey because let's look at the rankings right now. You know, at the time of that fight, Corey was ranked number seven, right? And then Johnny Walker was ranked number 11. So Johnny wasn't that far ahead of him. I mean, far behind him. But you could imagine that if Johnny would have won this fight, he probably would have been number six. But here's the thing. With Corey winning this fight, you probably put him in number five and then see where it goes from here. I mean, they could even put him against, you know, Jan Blahovich. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is... <clears throat> well, really Jan's a- fighting... Jacare. Oh, I forgot Jacare, about that. Jacare, remember Jacare's moving up. He Johnny already said wow. like Johnny made it clear that 
what he did was he focused so much on the wrestling that he forgot about his weapons, like mm-hmm. I stated. Yeah. Um, no, you could see it. And he said he wants to fight the winner of Paul Craig versus Shogun. Yeah. So, again, moving down, but I think his his build should be slow. Because he he says it himself every time. Three fights ago, he's saying, I need more time in the cage. I need more time in the cage. Yeah. And he didn't get it this fight. He got knocked out in the first round. And Corey put it on him, boy. Yeah, he wasn't playing. Yeah. But that's obviously the fight. I like the idea. I know you hated it. But I like the idea of Anthony Smith versus Corey. Yeah. It gives him something while Dominic fights John. Yeah, and, and Smith was talking that shit because he wants to fight. So at the end of the day, make it. Make it. I won't I mean can I be honest with you? I'd rather see that as a three round fight. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to the fighters, but Well do it on that um that January card. Yeah. That that was the that's the fight that makes sense to me. Yeah, do it in January. And Corey, if you really want to prove yourself, beat the guy who's talking shit about you. Ranked above you. Who fought for a title. Who fought for a title and went five rounds. Yeah. Not not that he won any of those rounds. No, no. But he that, went five rounds. Yeah, but he has that under his... I, hey, I went five rounds with John Jones, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, I got my ass whooped, but I went five rounds. Yeah, for sure. Look, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it was like uh, Dana said. He was like, hey, you show us what you deserve. And you did. But now it's like... Fight this guy because Smith is no joke. I mean, look, listen. Smith came up to 205, dispatched a couple of guys. You know, he beat some legends. And then they were like, okay, <coughs> you think you're that good? We'll put you against Volkan, Ozdemir. A lot of people didn't see that fight going well for him, but he won. So let's see if Corey can put up or shut up, you know? Because let's face it, if he beats Anthony Smith, he definitely got his shot. Now, if he gets his ass whooped, that's on you. And you know what, Andre, after this weekend, I think that he could beat Anthony Smith. I do too. I mean, let's go down the list. I mean, he beat Patrick Cummins, a fellow wrestler. You know, he beat Glover. He beat Alir Latifi. And now with the victory in the first round with Johnny Walker. And and look. His first TKO in like six years. Yeah, like let's really look at it. It's been three years <coughs> since he's finished somebody. Three Sean years. O'Connell. Yep. Million dollar winner from PFL last year. Yep. That's, that's Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. You just caught me off guard. That's yep. crazy. Commentator now for PFL. Wow. That's yes. awesome. I always like Sean O'Connell, man. Wins his and fights. He, sound, he sounds great. Oh, yeah. He sounds yeah. great. He's with the other weigh-in king over there on commentary. The uh, guy who used to eat the chips. Yeah. Uh, Superman draws all the time. Um, some Jesus Christ. I don't remember. It's not Den Thomas. It's the other guy with the squeaky voice. You got me there. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so let's get it. <laughs> No, it's going to bug me now if I don't... <laughs> Eve Edwards. Oh, Eve Edwards, yeah. <laughs> I like Eva too. Yeah, but um, I do think that he could beat Anthony Smith. That makes sense. Do John versus Dominic. Yeah. If I, You know what? 
<laughs> I really think that the UFC might have the balls to do that in January and make that the main event while Connor works the co-main event. I love that. I love it. Um, you know, Connor's always going to be a draw. I don't I don't I don't mind seeing him in a co-main event. Uh, I just think that they really can't screw around with that whole main event shit when it comes to Connor because no fan is going to want to pay $60 again to see him lose. I don't want that, okay? Now, I ain't going to pay for that shit because I don't care, you know? But, um, yeah, I don't want to see him get his ass whooped for $60. That's not even worth it for me. So, um, we'll see what happens on that January 18th card. I'm going to be real with you. I don't even think the dude's going to fight January 18th. I think something's probably going to happen. He'll probably make some BS excuse. But, yeah, I don't really see it going down like that. Yeah, so let's continue to talk about that 155 division. Someone who made their way back to the 155 division. You heard the clip at the beginning of the show. Kevin Lee versus Gregory Gillespie. Something that I brought up earlier. Someone who should have closed the distance and didn't is Gregory Gillespie. And he paid for it. Yep. What's the first thing you thought of when you saw that knockout? Holy shit. (laughs) The second thing you thought of when you saw that knockout. Is he dead? The third thing you thought of when you saw that knockout. Who the hell is Kevin Lee? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All good things. The first thing I thought is, wow, that looks real similar to Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. It's like Holly Holm's knockout of Ronda Rousey times a million. Jesus Christ. Yep. How peaceful did Gregor Gillespie go down? If you was, watch watch man. it again, you'll see the smirk on his face. Like he knew, like, oh, lights out. Not even that. Like, I was more happy that he didn't hit, like bounce his head off the canvas. Like, he hit the cage. He scared Megan Olivi. <laughs> but, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. Um, but this is a learning experience for him. I ain't going to lie. Like, I was on his Instagram after he posted. And, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a tough one. But. I really just hate that people were talking shit like, oh, he's still sleeping. Oh, you're alive. And it's like, dude, you wouldn't have went in there against Kevin Lee. None yeah. of us would. And not even for, forget the fact that, oh, yeah, well, you know, you wouldn't either. Like, no, it's just respect these fighters because anything could happen. <coughs> you know, I've seen guys six foot seven, six foot eight get knocked out by a dude like five nine, five ten. You know, it happens. So Kevin Lee just made an adjustment and, you know, Unfortunately for Gregor, you know, he was at the short end of that stick, but he's still in a really good place. You know, like one fight I really would like to see would be him versus Alexander Hernandez. I think both guys, they, you know, you know, for example, you know, Alexander came off a really shitty performance against uh, Francisco Trinaldo, and he needs to prove himself if he wants to be in the top 10 again. Gregor needs to fight somebody that he can beat. You know, so, but other than that, where the hell do you put Kevin Lee in these rankings? Like, what do we do with him? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at him now. Right above him is Dan Hooker, Paul Felder, Donald Cerrone, and none of those guys want to fight down. They want to fight up. But Kevin Lee, being the great person that he is, wants to fight Islam Makachev. (sighs) Number 15, Islam Makachev. Yeah. 
And I know why. Because he's the closest thing to Khabib as far as skill. And uh, or style, I'm sorry. Not skill, because if he had the skill, he wouldn't be at number 15. Yeah. But, you know, um, the reason why I like that fight is because <coughs> Kevin loves to bully Dagestanis. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. Like, he said it before. He was like, I can out-wrestle all the Dagestanis. You know, um, I believe he fought Rustam Kabilov, who was on a surge, you know, before losing to Benson Henderson. Kevin Lee, you know, beat him down. But, you know, uh, I, I think the fight is good. It's just dependent on what's at stake. Because, like you said, you know, Makachev had an okay performance against Davi Ramos, but, you know, it wasn't... wasn't nothing to write home about. Yeah, it wasn't nothing that I was impressed <clears throat> with. Um, I guess he thought that he was like a striker now, but he's not. He's garbage. He's just uh, like a C-plus kickboxer if you took away his wrestling. Like... I'll tell you right now, Kevin Lee in a kickboxing match against him, like, Islam would probably get killed. So, yeah. I think that it'll just be another great fight for him to beat up on a Dagestani. I like the idea. Um, we'll see where he goes. I mean, he also kind of has claim to the belt as well because he went against Tony and almost beat him with a staph infection. So, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot at stake. I even like the fight between him and Connor. Yeah, that's a good fight. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great fight, you know, and, and obviously Kevin will win that, but you know, then again, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I still I still don't think the move back down to 155 was a good one. But hey, if that's what he wants to do, you go ahead. I th- I I think that um I think that in this case for him he can't fight at 170. He just doesn't have, like, an opportunity to win there. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's forget the fact that he fought Dos Anjos and got submitted. Look at the top ten guys there, and then you tell me who he can beat, like, decisively. Like, the way he beat Gregor. I can't think of anybody. Not He'd probably lose five or six out of those fights. Yeah, and and even if he eked out a decision he would probably really suffer a lot of damage. So the only move, in my opinion, is 155 because that's the only place that he's been able to be good. I mean, unless they make a 165-pound division. But other than that, I don't see anything else for him at 170. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe he'll move back up. You know, I still think that his home will be 170 in the end because 155 is just way too crowded. And there, I don't think there's much room for him. But uh, let's talk about Stephen Thompson versus Vicente Luque. Yeah. Is Wonder Boy back? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. I can't believe he did that to Vicente Luque. I mean, it was like I said, like if Vicente can't <coughs> land enough damage to change the pace of the fight, you know, uh, what else could he do? You know what I mean? Like Wonder Boy's going to Wonder Boy. And he did that. You know what I mean? It was a great, excellent fight, man. Yeah, it was so good to see Wonderboy back like that. Yeah, and, and, and to face a guy like that and then tell him, like, listen, I'm kind of on the tail end of my career. Your career is just starting. Like, you know, you, you'll be back. And, you know, honestly, I like when we get to see young guys like Vicente fight some of the best and come up short the way he did because the kid fought his ass off. 
And you can't take that away from him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't some BS decision where he eked it out, like, against Mike Perry. You know what I mean? Like, no, like, he learned a lesson that fight. And, you know, Vicente will come back stronger than this. You know, there's a lot of stuff he has to work on. You brought up Mike Perry. And I don't know if you heard any of Mike Perry. But him calling Jeff Neal Geoff Neal is the best thing ever. Yeah, and then even talking about Colby. Oh, he said it's on site. I sent you the message. Pat said he might be his new favorite fighter. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, dude, like, not for nothing, but Mike Perry has had some tough decisions. But he's beat some quality fighters, man. I mean, yeah, and he he fights his ass off every time he's in that cage. Yeah, he never takes a night off. In there. Yeah, like you can't take nothing away from this man. All right, he had just barely, almost lost. He barely lost against Vicente, and look who Vicente just fought. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, but Mike Perry's up there, man. Like, I'm sorry that that he's had some tough, you know, goes go of it. I think that's what you said. He's had some tough fights. Whatever. But guess what? The guy is a stud. He comes to fight. He doesn't make excuses. He makes weight, and he's always ready to go. I really want to see him against another quality opponent. And, you know, I'm going to be real with you. If Kevin can't make 155 again, I wouldn't mind seeing Kevin fight Mike Perry. That would be a great fight, too, you know? Um, But other than that, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of fights kind of looming up there for uh for mike perry but he's another guy who's just in a weird spot right now yeah i mean he's not even ranked yeah he's not and and it's unfortunate for him i mean there's some people on here that like deserve to be like it's just that welterweight is so stacked yeah that like a loss really kind of it really hurts it really does i mean look at till like he took two losses, and that was it for Walter Waite. Like, even if he would have fought again, the only fight they were giving him literally was Mike Perry because they were like, yeah, you, you just got knocked out, Buck. Like, what do you? What else do you want us to do, mm-hmm. you know? And and he said it himself. Like, he was battling a lot just to get to 185, like, and fight. <coughs> but, you know, sometimes, like I said, sometimes a small adjustment can make the difference in your career. Like, it can really revamp your career completely. You what know? do you do with Wonder Boy now? I don't know because you do Ponzinibbio. Yeah, that that's the only fight that makes sense because Ponzinibbio he's been on a tear himself. Like he did that to Neil Bagney, and then he was calling out Dosanos and Don Dosanos. You know, let's face the facts. He didn't sign that contract. You know what I'd like to see again? What? Him versus Woodley. Ooh. Uh... Ponzinibbio and Woodley. No. Oh, uh. Wonder Boy Woodley again. Oh. I, yeah. I, I would take that fight. Like a, like a main event, uh, like on a fight night. Yeah. I, I would take that fight. You know, it's, a, it's an exciting fight. Yeah. The, both their fights were good the last time. Yeah. Ex- well, the second one, they were a little more reserved. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Woodley was able to take it to him. Yeah. But, man. Yeah. I mean, look, that first fight. Phew, that was listen. That was one of the best fights I've ever seen. I mean, Wonder Boy came back for some big shots, and the dude is, you know, he even got Woodley to the ground, you know, beat him up for a bit. I mean, it it was a good fight. Um, other than that, like, I wouldn't even be mad at that, mainly because of the fact that Wonder Boy is still 
in my opinion, top five. And he's always been, you know, like, you know, that Pettis, <coughs> that Pettis fight, that was honestly, like, that was just, that was crazy. Like, nobody expected that. And he just got caught, you know. He was in his jaded stance. Pettis took advantage. But I don't think that really should have taken anything away from Wonder Boy's career. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's like you said, welterweight is super stacked. I mean, yeah. That's you, why. It's really bad to lose a fight at welterweight. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it, in the UFC, there are a lot of divisions that are really stacked. And that's really why the UFC, the UFC is still the main promotion that everybody wants to fight at. Because if you want to make a name for yourself, that's the division. You know, that's why guys like Sean Brady, like, this guy really has to take everybody out. He's got to take everyone out. No jokes. Like, when he goes in there, he's got to finish, guys. Because if not, it's going to take him seven, eight fights to get to the belt. You know who I want to see him face? Who? Gilbert Burns. <sighs> see, you like th- that? Th- this is why... This is why we do this because it's those kind of fights that excite me. Such a good fight. Such a good fly fight. so under the radar, but what a fight. That could be a main card for a fight night. That could be right there or even a co main event. I mean, you know, with Gilbert stepping in to fight anybody, I mean, come on, man. Like I like that fight. I like that fight a lot. Let's talk about the main event. Before we get into the actual fight, let's talk about the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to ask you a question, and this just might be me, mm-hmm. but I never, it's not really a question, but it's a statement. I want to see if you agree. Mm-hmm. I never want to hear the term BMF ever again. I agree. It's not, it's not necessary anymore. It was, they, it, it was like uh, Joe Rogan said, it. he was like, this is so ridiculous, but this is also really <coughs> fun. And that's really what it was. It was just a fun fight. But did the UFC just hammer it over your head? Yeah. They they, they even it. had Dan Mergliata say, this is for the BMF belt. Yeah, it's for the baddest mother effort. It's like, all right, guys, like, we get it. You know what I mean? I am going to say one thing. Uh, I hated The Rock's involvement. I thought it was so tacky. And <laughs> I think only Pash will understand this or – Maybe some other wrestling fans are listening, like hardcore wrestling fans. But the fact that The Rock refused to say BMF belt and kept saying BMF title, because in WWE you can't use the term belt. It's championship title. So all every time Rock said it, he said the BMF title. So I love that he still has that ingrained in his head. What? Why can't they say belt? Vince McMahon says belts hold your pants up. Titles are for champions. Wow. Yes. That might that might be one of the smartest things I've ever heard him say. <laughs> but I hated his involvement. I thought it was super whack. Besides, like I thought it was cool that he made the announcement about the whole Mark Kerr thing, but him stopping his whole spiel to say if you smell what the rock is cooking, I hated that. Like I hated Even that. Even when they they gave him the walkout song, I was like, "Alright. I didn't need to hear that song again. I can hear it on a Monday or Friday night or a Sunday night." Why didn't they All right, I don't even like Trump like that, but why didn't they announce the president? 
over well, the rock. You know what I mean? Like, hey, everyone, please give a round of applause and please give a warm welcome to the president of the United States. Well, we know why. Well, yeah. They did the walkout in the beginning. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it was so weird watching and like seeing like the huddle of Secret Service agents. Like every shot, so all you saw. Unnecessary. And it's like, you know, I know that, you know, to go somewhere live, it's a lot harder experience to see. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes, like I've been at a WrestleMania where I paid $300 to basically watch a big TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? But could you imagine paying that price to sit fourth row? And there's a huddle of 50 Secret Service agents in front of you standing the whole time. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I I do not like our president. It's not... It doesn't matter why I don't like him. Yeah. Um, what matters is I just don't like him. But... I do like the fact that he went to this because it's it's a cool thing, like... With Obama going to basketball games, or when George Bush would be at a baseball game, you know, like it's it's cool to to think that the president would go to like a normal person thing. Yeah. So and enjoy it at that, you know. <coughs> and there's a reason why he went to Masvidal versus Diaz instead of Kobe versus Kamara. Yeah, because know? Kobe gives him gives him bad press. Yeah, not only he that. Said, did you hear what Kobe Kobe slipped in a line that I didn't hear any flack about? But I'm not sure the story, but I think that someone who was in um, Usman's camp, like, passed away. Like, maybe, like, an old coach or something. And he, like, brought that up. Yeah. Like, oh, your coach is in hell, dead, burning, or something like that. And I was like, whoa. Like, that escalated quick. It was like, he was clearly trying to go for, like, the jugular. But, like, like Usman really brushed it off relatively quickly. Because Usman's a class act. The only thing that you can really fault Usman for is being boring himself. But, you know, like, Kobe's a he's a shithead. How and long before he drops an N-bomb? Oh, my God. I, yo, and you know what the best part about that will be? The fact that he'll own up to it. He won't care. And I hope, and I hope, I hope that Kamaru knocks him out if he says that and i when i mean knockout i'm talking like rampage versus silva two or three when in the ufc when he hit him two or three times on the ground and he saw his little leg shaking we got to see colby's body just shut down you know what i mean ben like, Askren, jorge yeah even the last two shots like mm, mm, what you say about me now like vicious it, it, that's what Colby needs in his career. And you already know, like, even after the fight, he'll be like, I'm still the baddest mother ever on the planet. I don't care if I just got knocked out viciously in front of thousands of people. I'm still the best in the world. I'm going to come back and get what's mine. Like, I don't care, Colby. Shut up. Like, you got KO'd. <laughs> <coughs> I feel like Colby deserved to get knocked out like that way more than Ben did, you know? Yeah. Ben's just corny. But <laughs> whatever. So back to the spectacle. Yeah. Did. Was it as offensive to you as it was to me? I just thought that they it was overkill. Oh, yeah, it was definitely overkill. I don't think it was necessary. You know, this is the thing. When they announced it, it was like, main event? I'll take it. And then it was like, this is for the BMF belt. And we're just like, <coughs> belt? And then they're like, this is the BMF belt. Black diamonds. 
I did like the belt. I like the belt too, but damn, like a belt? Yeah. What the hell's Masvidal going to do with it? You know what I mean? Like it was weird. I really liked what what, you know, the New York Knicks like uh the manager, I think, or whoever that guy was, I guess he was the owner. You know, they gave him a jersey and this little plaque that said, you know, um, 305 or I don't even Oh, yeah, know. they gave him, like, a platinum, yeah. like, ticket. It was, like, a yeah. ticket stub, uh-huh. but, like, engraved in, like, some type of steel. Yeah. And then they gave him the – I like the jerseys. The jersey was like, nice. If they could find a way to make those, I would buy that. Yeah. Like, Pash, if that was you, that would be the only way you'd ever wear a New York Knicks jersey. It was like the Knicks jersey said 244, said Masvidal on the back, and then every fight, like the co-main event and main event fighters had that. Yeah, and I I loved it. It was like what they did with Israel, too. Like That was great. Fantastic. I I love that. I wish that there was a way to get that because I would wear that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll go on sale. Are you buying a BMF belt? <laughs> a replica? Not for $850. I'm not. <laughs> that way, yo, I started dying when I saw how much that cost. I was like, nah. I dude. do like the belt itself, though. Like, like the yeah. blacked out, like ominous. I love that. And I love that they kept it true to the the design of the, the, uh, the title. They yeah, didn't change yeah. it. All they changed was the three letters. Yeah. And the color. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I thought it looked really nice. Yeah. It was cool to see a lot of the um the detail too. Like like we saw the back has Dana's signature on it. Yeah. And they were like he's like, Well, all the belts have that. It's to prove that it's a one of one, like the champion, whoever that champion is, that's right. their belt. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, let's talk about the fight. Yeah. All right. I don't want to get into too much of what could happen. What should happen? I think we should talk about the three rounds and what happened in those three rounds. I'm sorry. I'm not going to give any legitimacy to Nate Diaz's comments because um, you can't base your cardio as a key to victory. Like, that's not how fighting works. And I don't even think it's fair for Jorge to snap the way he did when he hasn't been in a five-round fight in how long? Yeah. So how are you going to tell me, oh, you like it's disrespectful to come at my cardio when we don't even know if you have cardio right now? Yeah, and that's, and that's you know, it's like you brought up like this whole spectacle thing. It's like, dude, there's a reason why people were kind of downing you because they've never really seen you go that far against high-level competition. Like, you had a five-round fight against Darren Till, and you knocked him out. Like, you know what I mean? You knocked him out, but... You haven't really faced high-level competition at welterweight. And Nate Diaz, he's going to have excellent cardio. But here's the thing. I will give legitimacy to the fact that for those three rounds, he shut Nate Diaz down. Even when they got into small little ground scrambles, like Masvidal did an excellent job. Like when Punch he, right through his guard and yeah. for the... For the midsection. Yeah, went for, you know, when Nate went for the leg entanglement, you know, Masvidal did everything he was supposed to do. Yeah, he he waited. He did the grapevine. You know, once he got him in that leg entanglement, he waited. He postured up, and then he just spun his leg out of there. Like, he did everything he was supposed to do. 
Masvidal's a very well-trained and high-level fighter. Like, it's not just his striking. He has excellent wrestling and excellent jiu-jitsu. And he is strong. Super strong. He, how strong did he look in, in any of these exchanges? He yeah. just fling skinny, fat Nate Diaz off of him. I mean, look at the... It was the same thing when Nate fought Roy McDonald. It was just levels. It's levels. Like, Nate is not a 170-pounder. You know what I'm saying? He's a 155er, and when he fights at 155 and he really wants to win, like, he really will win because he's good. I just think that it's kind of tough for him because the game has completely evolved, and he's still kind of in that, yeah, I want to come at mother effers. And, you know what I mean? If I get him to the ground, that's it. And it's like, no, Nate, you have to implement kickboxing. You got to do all of that. Like, if not, you're going to really fall short all the time and is there anything that surprised you from those rounds like from jorge no Uh, see i was surprised that he didn't attack that front leg though i feel like that's always the key to victory with nate you know i mean the the thing with nate is that on a perfect night if you don't attack his legs like there's still a lot of stuff that can happen you know but on a perfect night the real key to victory is you really have to damage him. Like, it wasn't just the kicks that stopped him with Dos Anjos. Like, Dos Anjos really beat the hell out of him. He really beat the hell out of him. Like, I'm talking overhands, left straights. When he took him to the ground, the ground and pound was vicious. Like, it just has to be one of those fights where you really put him in the ringer. And that's what Masvidal did. Like, the what he did with the body work, listen... It was going to I'm a huge fan of the liver shot. I'm a huge fan of the kicks to the body. Like that's that's one of my favorite things to do in fights or in sparring or anything because it's effective. Like even if the guy doesn't go down, do you have any idea how hard it is to have to breathe when your ribs are like bruised up from from kicks? And you know how hard it is to breathe when your liver is damaged? Like you may not fall, but listen you know, Paul Felder said in himself, taking those liver kicks from uh, Edson Barbosa in the second fight, that's not easy to do, man. Like, that's really hard. But, you know, like, Nate is tough. But the fact of the matter is, is Masvidal dominated him every single round. And I understand why they stopped the fight. It just kind of added to the whole bullshit spectacle aspect of it where people were just like, this was stupid. Like, why was this the main event? But you know what? I mean, if Nate would have kept going, he would have just got hurt more. And and that's just the reality of it. This wasn't something where, you know, eventually Nate was going to just pitter-patter him, pitter-patter him, and, you know, Masvidal was going to fall. Like, that's not that's not how it works, you know. He's not Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the three rounds were very fun. Very I, I enjoyed it. And even Nate, like, I liked a lot of the stuff he did. I still think that he has a chance, but just not that night. No. It, just it, not that night. It wasn't his night. He has to, He has to. if they ever do fight again, which is very in jeopardy. I don't, Nate might have to take another three years off. Um, <laughs> if they ever do fight again, I think that Nate has to do things very differently. But this is the thing, like, I'm going to be real with you, man. Where is Nate, like, in his career? Where does he stay? Does he stay at 170? Does he stay at 155? Who is he going to fight at 170? Who is he going to fight at 155? You know what I'm saying? Like, look at look at how stacked 55 is right now. Who is he going to fight? They're not going to put him against the top five because he doesn't deserve it. 
You know what I'm saying? And and look at 170. Who is he really going to want to fight there? Mike Perry? What is he going to gain from that? Like, I don't... He wants to do all these spectacles, but he, but he lost. So it's like he's not a draw like he used to be. So I just don't know what he's going to do. It's like, you know what I mean? Like when they had the fight book for Masvidal and Nick Diaz, like that was a fight because people thought maybe Nick could get back to the top five and do some work. But now seeing the way he looks and the fact that he really doesn't train as often, like, you know, and it's the same thing with Nate. Like, you can't just take another three years off and then come back in 2022 and then fight the <coughs> new breed because the new breed is going to be, you know, one of those kids that you see right now who can do everything well, you know, on Instagram and he's killing everybody in, in tournaments. Like, Nate's not that kind of fighter. Like, he hasn't evolved and... If he if he doesn't try to pick himself back up and get into these regular fights, like I kind of just see retirement for him at this point. You know, he made enough money in this fight. He has his own gym. You know, I mean, well, you know, he's I think he's co-owning Nick Diaz Academy, but I don't really see anything else for him in the sport. Yeah, probably just be cornering Crone Gracie or something like that. Yeah, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah, just... I mean, don't get me wrong. He still has fighters. He has Chris Avila and um, yeah. Bellator. Mm-hmm. So there's still people that he really needs to bring up. Yeah. And he has a family now. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things he said. It was during the post-fight press conference when they're like, how does having a daughter now change your mindset and he's like dang got shit to do with it man this the <laughs> fight game i don't want her to know nothing about this right now yeah and i and i don't blame him man like it's tough like you see his face like even i didn't even know that masvidal had children but you yeah, know he's that, got two kids but there's something to fight for there you know and mm-hmm. that's why i understand it, it was like uh marcos maidana you know he had said something he said you know i will support my son if he wants to become a professional boxer but I really don't want him to. And there's a reason for that, you know? Like, <coughs> you can be good, but it's different watching your kids doing something because it's like, listen, I've been through some tough wars. Like, I've made mistakes. And you want to do your best to really focus on not having them make those mistakes. But it's at the end of the day, that's your kid, you know? I've seen a lot of fighters, you know, who have seen their families, like, get destroyed, you know, from the fight game. You know, um, you know, perfect example, like Miguel Cotto after he fought Canelo, like, you know, his wife told him, like, why do you have to keep doing this? Why do you have to keep putting yourself through these wars? Like, look at you, like, look at your face. And he had to look at his wife in the face with tears in his eyes and said, this is all I know. Mm -hmm. I remember that. That was so sad. It was so heartbreaking. But the reality is, is look at if you look at where Miguel Cotto came from, if you look at where a lot of these fighters come from. This is all they have. Masvidal didn't graduate high school. I don't think Nate did either, you know? So this is what they have to do to make a living. So, But I give them the <coughs> utmost respect because they did put on a great performance. You know, whatever Nate did do, it was great. Masvidal put on a great performance. Can't wait to see him, you know, face the winner of, you know, Usman and uh, the jackass. So, yeah. <laughs> So that's UFC tour two forty four. Um, we do have a Bellator card on Friday. The only notable names are King Mo, which I thought he retired. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and uh, Leslie Smith. So those are the two notable names fighting that night 
and n- neither of them are the main event. Um, then we do have this weekend UFC Moscow, which means it's a nice and early card. Good for me and you. We get to knock it out early in the day and enjoy the rest of our night. Yep. Uh, two semi, I wouldn't say important, two interesting fights. We have Greg Hardy versus Alexander Volkov. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. We already know your thoughts on it. And then we have Sabit Magomed Sharipov versus Calvin Cater. Andre, I think that this might be the end of Zabit. Me too. I think he's excellent. Very well-rounded. But Calvin is sharp. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I want him to prove me wrong because yeah. I am a fan. I think he's a fantastic martial artist. But there was something in Calvin's fight, his last fight that I saw, that I just don't see Zabit moving past. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be real with you, man. It, just look at the size of this dude, like his agility, like his speed, his power. I mean, come on, man. It's it's a lot. It, it's a lot when you have to factor in getting punched in the face constantly because Calvin's accurate. He's not going to throw to miss. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to he's gonna snipe Zabit. And the only key to victory for Zabit is taking it to the ground. I mean, look, Calvin's striking is real, bro. <coughs> like, he, he trains out of City Otong, and now City Otong is coming back because of that. Like, the dude's a killer, so... If Zabit don't take this to the ground and tries to get into a striking battle, like I don't know how much that head movement's gonna work yeah. after you know five rounds. It's, it's gonna be hard, you know. Yeah, for sure. This is a five round fight, right? This is a five round okay. main event. Yes. All right, just making sure because I know you know they've had situations before where they change stuff, but yeah, I'm glad it's a main event. Yeah, I mean, I for I think when it was the pre when it was the fight before. It was Volkov versus JDS. I think that that was the main event at first. Yeah. And then when Vol- um, when JDS fell out, they replaced the main event with Zabit. So that's fun. I am looking forward to that card. Like I said, it's nice and early. We can get it out of the way. Bright and early, Andre. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at, like, his freaking career right now. Like, this dude came back a three-year layoff and just started dominating. I mean, he fought at CES. That's uh, where Jeremiah Wells fought as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I like Calvin, man. I, and I really like Zabit. But at the end of the day, fighters got to fight. And you want to get to the title, sometimes you got to go through the toughest dudes. Yeah. So, super excited for that card. Yeah. Uh, also this weekend, Logan Paul versus KSI 2. Yeah. Um, The cool thing about that is the undercard, right? Yeah. Devin Haney will be fighting Alfredo Santiago. Um, Alfredo kind of a relative unknown but you know he did beat two former um you know world titleist challengers so uh we'll see what happens uh, yeah and then you have billy joe saunders too yeah billy joe will be on that card <clears throat> as well um the ksi versus logan paul fight should be interesting it's in it's in the cru- cruiserweight division i think that these two dudes are gonna gas out eventually but uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a really stupid fight, and uh, yeah, I'll probably steal it somewhere. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't <laughs> listen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay two cents to watch that fight. 
But you know what? Uh, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> it's been a jam-packed episode of Your Boy Elroy this week. Yeah. I am Josh Prepigina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Preps in one word. Andre? Everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as FlowStateDre, um, all lower caps or lowercase, whatever the hell you call them. And you can find me on Facebook as Andre Rodriguez. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah, you can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast, as well as you can find the show now on almost every podcast platform that you could think of. Including Spotify. Including Spotify. <laughs> Five-star ratings and reviews. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.